Of course, as you can imagine, the kids came to the rescue and I had this really fantastic day where I was floating on cloud nine and it just hit me just straight in the face that the kids are the joy. And that is what we have to hold on to. It was on a Thursday, on Wednesdays, we have asynchronous learning where we spend all day in meetings with adults and it's usually mayhem and it usually makes absolutely no sense and we're going around in circles. And I came back last Thursday and my kids were doing such a fantastic job with the book we're reading and it just elevated my mood like no drug could ever, could ever do. And I realized, you know, it's been a really hard couple of weeks. And I didn't fully realize how hard it was until I just talked to you guys about it. But that day, that day I realized that the kids are the joy. Just hold on to the children. Hold on to their ideas. Hold on to their perspectives. Hold on to them because they are the joy. The students are the joy. Everything else is just noise. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Zone of Proximal Development with me, your host, Marjorie. We started this project to amplify the voices and experiences of teachers as we reflect on a year of remote learning through the COVID-19 crisis. In the two previous episodes, I have had truly illuminating conversations with teacher friends of mine about our experiences navigating remote learning and life in general. This week, I have decided to fly solo and ask for your help in reflecting on my own struggles during the infamous March Madness of teaching. It's been a grinder, guys, and I am wondering if I'm bugging or if it's been similar for you all. Thanks for listening. Coming in, how you better get out the kitchen? Yeah. I could make a hit on whatever you pitching. Maybe let me fill up whatever you missing. Or you like it up at the top, it's a better view in it. I'm not surprised at all, no way. Hey, what you need? Come on, just pay the fee. I supply it all. Went up the mountain and it wasn't hard to climb at all. At the top, I found some relief, you see. So please don't miss up the moon. So it's March, the longest teaching month of the year. At least here in New York, March is infamous for teachers. By and large, March has no days off. It's testing season madness and everyone is hanging on by a thread. Last year, of course, March was March on steroids. And we went on two weeks of remote learning that have lasted a full calendar year. And it's still going. Miraculously, though, This year's spring break in New York actually starts in the last week of March. So congrats from my heart to all my DOE teachers. No shade here, even though my spring break won't come until May. The charter school where I work and many other charter schools schedule their spring break 
after both the ELA and math state test exams, which we'll talk more about later because I have a lot of feelings about the fact that these things are happening this year. So I normally agree with that approach, um, basically because we can get it out of the way and we can enjoy our break. And also because logistically, sometimes our kids don't get back from their vacations um, in time for the second test, which is normally scheduled the same week we get back from spring break. I don't know who does scheduling in DOE, but clearly they haven't been in a classroom in some time. So those are the sets of circumstances we're dealing with as of right now. So why have I decided to hit you all up one-on-one? Well, things seem to be devolving for me fairly quickly, and I'm trying to work out exactly why. So here we go. Bear with my ADD stream of consciousness, please, and help me think through what exactly is going on here. Please let me know through messages, email, or on social media if you can relate or if I'm totally bonkers here. First of all, for the past three days or so, I have been convinced that I have some kind of terminal illness. Why, you ask? Because I have been completely exhausted. So people who know me personally know that I suffer from chronic insomnia. I have suffered from chronic insomnia since I was about 12 or 13. So I don't sleep much, but I also don't nap much. I'm recording this on a Monday night and I have been completely run down since Saturday. All of Saturday, I cannot get out of bed. Sunday, I wrote my lesson plans in between naps. Today, I taught and I have no idea how I was able to sit up in front of my computer and lead my lessons. So I'm super worried because... If you're a teacher, which I'm assuming many of you are, you know that you stick to your routines and you're just sort of on autopilot. So I have what I call teacher Saturdays and teacher Sundays, and I know exactly what I'm going to do when I get up, what my process is, how things are going to get done, and none of that happened. So I'm super worried. I went ahead and got a COVID test um, because I did end up going into the school building for hybrid learning about two weeks ago. And it was an interesting experience. And I recorded a bit of a reflection about that that you can find on social media. But anyway, that has been the only change in my routine. But I'm thinking, okay, I have my sense of taste and smell. So I'm, I feel good that I will get confirmation of not having COVID in two to five days. I hope because there was a case in the building where we're co-located a few weeks or a week after. And so the next week it was closed or two weeks after that, it was closed. Something like that. Days run together for me. So that's driving me a little bit bonkers because if you've heard any of the podcasts before, you know that I am super afraid of COVID. So what is the most logical thing to do in this situation? I have scoured the internet for what it could be. Always a good idea. Some of my friends say it might be allergies and they say, do not bring up the fact that I've never had allergies because they can just crop up. So I think, okay, could be allergies. But, and you should know this about me, I tend to catastrophize. I'm like, it could be an autoimmune disease. Maybe I have fibromyalgia. Maybe RA, which I had a weird scare with RA in my early 20s, but that's a story for another day. Or maybe, of course, I'm having a slow burning heart attack. 
guys, I have no proof beyond Google that any of this is even possible. In any event, today a friend told me, hey, maybe you're just tired. And it was the first time I considered that maybe, maybe after over 365 days of this madness, I'm just tired. Because as teachers, we're so used to just being tired. We make jokes about how it's just part of our personality that we can't even consider that we are too tired. Right? We wear it as a badge of honor, the tired teacher. And yes, our administrators pay lip service to us, quote unquote, engage in more self-care. However, they don't build it into the schedule and they certainly do not line up the list of deliverables we need to have on any given week. And we do see more and more memes talking about self-care and putting family first and all that good stuff, particularly through COVID. But let's be honest, we don't really ascribe to it. We really don't. We just keep going. We keep going. We keep doing. We keep planning. We keep grading. We keep doing it all. And I don't know about you, but something that I've noticed recently, I was telling my co-teacher about this and some other friends of mine. I have this compulsion now, this feeling that I have to fill every single moment of life with something productive. So for instance, if I have five minutes in between classes, which I do in between my Zoom classes, I'll say, hey, in these five minutes, I could post X, Y, and Z on Google Classroom. Or I have these 10 minutes, I bet I could grade two assignments at that time. Or I have this half an hour, maybe I can get ahead and plan my Google Slides for this next lesson. And it just feels like if I'm not doing something that's work-related, I am somehow wasting space and wasting time. So this leads me to this other situation that happened a couple of weeks back. So I'm pretty open about mental health and mental health challenges. So I struggle with anxiety. I've struggled with anxiety for a long time. And surprisingly, my anxiety had been pretty under control given this whole situation. Um, I had a flare up over the summer, but by and large, it's been very manageable, right? And I should also say that I've dealt with anxiety for so long that my threshold of anxiety is probably much higher than other people. So other what other people might consider intolerable anxiety, I can live with, I can function. But about two weeks ago, I found myself again on a Saturday where I have my routine laid out and I'm ready to go. And I was paralyzed, completely paralyzed with anxiety. I could not function. I could not get my things done. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? It seems like this anxiety is coming out of nowhere. And so I'm having this panic attack and my good friend is like, it's not out of nowhere. A lot of things happened this week. And then I stopped to think and I was like, what has happened and how have I responded? So the panic attack that I thought was about nothing was really about a ton of things. What things do you ask? Well, this is all in one week, like two weeks ago. We had parent-teacher conferences, which I don't love. I do not love parent-teacher conferences. They are stressful in a 
way that I feel like only teachers can understand. So I apologize to those who are not teachers who might be listening who feel like I'm dismissing uh, <laughs> how you might feel about parent-teacher conferences, but they are. They take a lot of emotional work. You are engaging with a lot of people back to back. So for somebody that's an introvert like myself, it's a lot of emotional work and it's something that I really have to prepare for. So we had parent-teacher conferences and this was happening the day before I had to go in to teach hybrid. So the communication and organization at my school is super lacking. A lot of things feel very last minute. A lot of things feel like they're not really planned at all. Like we're flying by the seat of our pants. That happens a ton. So during um, parent-teacher conferences, we find out that one of the students that's slated to come to hybrid learning is actually COVID positive and wanted the mom to keep it on the wrap so she could come in to the school. And thank you, mom, for not allowing that to happen. And it seems like mom is struggling a lot with this child um, in general, but she managed to exert uh, the bit of control she still has to prevent this child from coming into the building. So I was super relieved um, because... I was going in for hybrid. So that's number one. So I kind of get over that. Okay, great. Then we have a super combative situation between a teacher and a parent. And, you know, things like this happen, particularly we're in COVID and, you know, people are going through a lot and remote learning hasn't worked for everybody. So this student has really struggled and... One particular teacher has gone out of her way. She's very good at communicating, and she has. And mom sort of came in saying that we should communicate more, and this this teacher took offense, and they sort of got into it, and just the tone was was kind of harsh for me. And so I pretty much started having a trauma response in the middle of this PTC. Um, so imagine we're all in a Zoom together. Um, and so there's really nowhere for you to go. Like the only thing that I could do was take out my earbuds so that I didn't have to listen because I was sitting there and I was like transported to being in the car while my parents were arguing and I was a kid. It was, I can't describe it to you. If you've ever been a kid and had your parents fight in front of you particularly in a car, it really sucks. And so that's how that felt. And that like threw me off a lot. It threw me off a whole lot. And then, you know, that kind of sucked the life out of the whole PTC and it just kind of set the tone. Then, you know, my grade ended up having to have supervision. I guess somebody complained. And so we had people in there and, Tempers were sort of going off and, you know, some of my colleagues started sharing their struggles and, and it really hit me close to the heart. And I, it really made me think about my own struggles. Right. So I had a colleague say, you know, I always put my, my kid on hold, um, 
because I have to call a student or I'm talking to a student and she mentioned that. And now I'm thinking, yeah, she's right. Why would I do that? And I could totally relate to that because I feel like I definitely oftentimes put the kids in my life, their needs on hold because I'm working through lunch to try to get something done or I'm staying late on a Zoom with my co-teacher so we can get uh, ahead on a lesson, you know, and and they come in and they come into the office and they tell me like, oh, you're still in a meeting? How are you always in a meeting? Why are you always working? And so I really felt for that staff member on a human level and and I could see sort of his frustration and and it made me think like what what am I doing? What am I taking away from the kids in my life in order to give to other people's children? And there are so many mixed emotions when you're a teacher and you're making those choices because you love your students. You know, your students are your kids, but you actually have your own kids in your life that need you as well. So all that happened, <laughs> all that happened in that one week. And then I went in for hybrid and that was really interesting in a lot of ways. It was invigorating to see at least some kids. I'm not going to lie. I was really upset about it because I'm afraid of COVID and I don't feel like the reward the amount of kids that we can help or how to help them makes sense, right? Like we're in a room together, but we're on the computer, right? The Zoom classes are still going on. They're basically remote in person just so that we can supervise that they get on to the Zoom. And so to me, that doesn't feel authentic. I couldn't help it though. And I was talking to my co-teacher who ended up going the next the next week and we felt the same way. It's like a switch goes off. You know, you don't forget how to be a teacher in the classroom. And so I started asking questions and, and we just sort of had our own class within the class and we muted ourselves and, and I was able to talk to them and, and get them to engage more than than through the screen. So that was helpful. And that put me just on cloud nine. I was really, really so happy to just interact with the kids. But it was also just super freaking draining. So the way it works is the kids are not going to move. Um, we move. So we have four classes in my grade. So one classroom per class. And so the teachers travel as opposed to the students. And not for nothing, this is going to sound petty, but I don't think everybody gave the same amount of thought to the layout of the rooms. So you have a very different situation depending on the room that you're in. So I obviously favor the way that my co-teacher and I arrange our room. There's not a lot of clutter. Um, it was very intentional where things were placed, how the smart board was placed, where the teacher area was placed, walking, um, walking spaces to get so that we're not too close, all of that good stuff. So that already has me stressed out um, because I don't like the space in the other three classrooms. So 
That's one thing. The other thing is just the mad dash, the mad dash to get ready to go. So our online classes are already only 40 minutes. And so the way my co-teacher and I decided would be the best approach is that on days when I'm supposed to be in there, she would lead. And on days that she's there, I would lead from home, right? So I'm thinking like 10 minutes before class ends, I'm already distracted from the kids in the classroom and from the kids in the Zoom, to be honest, because I'm thinking, okay, I have to wipe everything down, all my area down. I need to unplug all these dongles, right? I need to unplug from the giant webcam that they decided we needed to have. I need to unplug from the smart board. I need to wipe everything down. I need to fill out a checklist in order to run out and go into this other classroom for the next class. So that's really exhausting. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to keep it 100 with you guys. For those of us who have been doing this for a long time, and correct me if I'm wrong, tell me, you know, hit me up in on social media or leave a comment, whatever. I feel like I paid my dues, right? Like I remember, uh, and I was very lucky, I have to say, but I remember, you know, a couple of years early in my career when I was the teacher that had to move. I had, I was in my classroom. I had to move around. And you you sort of get into that mindset, but then you feel like, okay, I paid my dues. It's my classroom. Other people come in and move around. So that takes some getting used to. And I know it seems petty. It seems entitled. But if you're a teacher, it's the little things that matter. Like, hey, I have my room. I don't have to move around. It's the little things that count. So that's exhausting. Right. To be running around from classroom to classroom, setting everything up, unsetting it up, having a mask on all day. In my case, I had two masks because I'm super afraid of COVID. Um, And then not being able to go out for lunch was a big one for me because I made a promise to myself when I was very young, my first year teaching, that I would always leave the building at least once because I saw already, even in my first couple of days on the job, that so many people were burning out and they just stayed in the building and never got some fresh air and never got some sunlight. So I was like, that's not gonna be me. But they're discouraging that because, hey, it's a pandemic. So try not to go outside, everybody, bring your lunch. Um, We'll have a space for you um, to, to eat your lunch here. Um, because we don't want too much coming in and out. It's like, so you don't want me coming in and out to get lunch, but it's cool for me to leave my house and depending on my situation, get on public transportation or, you know, an Uber or whatever the case may be. Like I commute, so I, I drive in my own car, but that's not everybody's situation. And so I still have a lot of mixed feelings about that. And as I was sitting there, not being able to go step outside for lunch, I thought to myself, you know, you haven't been keeping that promise to yourself, even though you're at home. Because I have worked through lunch throughout this pandemic. Since last March, the only reason I get up at lunch at all 
is to feed my own kids. And usually I leave it sort of prepped. And so it's very quick and I tell them to go get it. Other than to feed my children, I sit at this desk and I work through my lunch period. And I don't, as I'm thinking through it right now, guys, I don't know why. I don't know why I step out. I don't step outside. Why I don't go on the porch. Why I don't go in the backyard. I just sit here. And sometimes I'm not even really quote unquote working. I'm not doing something productive. I'm just sitting, just trying to settle down my nervous system in a way. You know, when you're like in a daze, just zoning out, sometimes that's what's happening during my lunch period. They used to have us try to do SEL during our lunch period at one point. Um, we had to once a week uh, meet for lunch with some of our advisees, and they only stopped it because parents complained. Parents complained about their kids having to be in front of the computer through lunch. They didn't change it when teachers were saying, you know, I would like to have my lunch. Oh, but it's only once a week. You can do once a week. Like, but that's not your decision to make. It's not your decision to make to say that I have to sit at lunch, through lunch in front of this computer and yet another Zoom. So all those thoughts are going through my mind, guys, as my body seems to be failing me. So that was like two weeks ago. And so I had this emotional response and I finally figured out Okay, yeah, it was. A lot was going on. It didn't come out of nowhere. There's a lot going on. That's also when we found out that these tests are on. And I was really upset about that. I'm upset with the Biden administration. I'm upset with everybody who thinks this is a good idea. If you think this is a good idea, I'm sorry. I'm upset with you. And we can talk about it. I'm down for that. But like, how does it make sense for us to test kids? And the way that it's being rolled out is ridiculous. It's like, if you are in school, right? Like if you're doing hybrid, then you have to take it, which in a lot of cases are the most at-risk kids. Like my co-teacher mentioned this and my best friend also. Like, So we're saying that the most at-risk kids that are struggling the most, those are the kids we're going to test. Because if you if you're not in the building then it is expected that you won't test because you have to test inside the building. That's what's going on in New York anyway. So that has me all the way fucked up. I'm going to be honest with you. Another thing that has me all the way fucked up is these new CDC rules that are rolling out this week that they're changing from three feet, from six feet distance to three feet in schools. Why? How are you going to change the rules of the game in the middle of the game? And what people say is, well, when we have more data, we can make better decisions. Like things change. It's like really things change all of a sudden when there's a lot more pressure on politicians from parents who think that school is simply child care. All of a sudden, the CDC figures out that it should be three feet. And... Listen, I'm sorry. I don't trust it because Trump fucked around with the CDC so much. There were things that were getting changed. 
without any expert knowledge. There was a language that was being changed. So I don't trust any of this. This this all can be manipulated for whatever they want. And I used to defend de Blasio a ton because I feel that de Blasio did a lot for working families um, in ways that people don't recognize as it being for working families. So for example, the 3PK was really helpful for working families and gave our kids in our poorest communities a chance, right, to start off in a way that made them be ahead and not have the quote-unquote deficits that people always talk about in our communities. So I was always defending de Blasio as a progressive, but the way he's handled this, it's a hot mess. So now they're saying that they're going to allow more kids into classrooms. So I don't even know how that's going to turn out. But it's really upsetting me. It upsets me that we have a set of guidelines and then we decide that it's okay to change it in the middle of of the crisis. How does that work? If we've agreed that these are the rules that will keep us safe, all of a sudden we're going to change it because it's not convenient. I don't know. Tell me. Am I am I bugging out? Am I crazy? I don't know. So all of that, <laughs> I'm just like enumerating it right now. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot. Maybe, maybe that is why I'm fatigued and exhausted. Another thing that's been going on that really has me messed up is with Cuomo, who I never trusted ever, but I did appreciate that he seemed to have clear responses and a plan and a PowerPoint during the pandemic. And we're getting actual information where we weren't getting from our federal government. But now my man has decided to sign an executive order where teachers are expected to quote unquote anonymously report our vaccine status for what? Like all of a sudden we don't have HIPAA laws. Like, how is that possible? Our rights are not suspended because there's a freaking pandemic. So, yes, I got vaccinated. I'm waiting to get my second dose. I was going to have to go into work regardless. So why are you saying that we have to report anonymously or otherwise? Why? The only thing I can think of is to come up with some beautiful magical numbers on a spreadsheet and justify doing some dumb shit that means having more kids or having more days or opening schools completely, right? It's, I just hate the manipulation part of it. I really do. It really drives me bananas. So I am understanding better again why I'm so tired. This is really pretty exhausting. Um, I do want to take the time though to say that I'm super, super grateful for the amazing people in my life as I navigate through this. 
And you guys have now become amazing people in my life as well because I can share this stuff with you. Um, And maybe you're judging me. I don't know. But I just feel like you understand how all these things are grinding down in my mind. So that being said, those are the things that I have been going through. And yeah, maybe... Maybe that's why I'm tired. So it, it might make sense. It might make sense that I'm tired. So I would like to start closing this out with um, some questions that people have asked me on social media or just friends in general. One was, how do you balance teaching and parenting and having a life? And clearly the response for that this whole episode gave is that I don't at all. There is no balance. And that is really, really scaring me. So what I try to do is to batch my work on the weekends, like Saturdays I know are just for planning and grading and all that good stuff. And I try to Sundays dedicate to other projects, things that I care about. Um, Thursday nights, I always have a movie night with my boys um, to make sure that they're getting uh, quality time. Well, I try to have meals, device-free meals with them. Um, we we have the time we spend on homework also together, so that's awesome. Um, but is it a balance? No, there are days where one thing takes over and days where another thing takes over. The best laid plans don't always work out. Um, on weekdays, I meet every day with my co-teacher and we try to get a lot of work done during those, um, prep periods. We plan out who's going to plan which lessons. We workshop the lessons. We might put, um, assessments together. We discuss students, we send emails, and oftentimes we stay way late in the Zoom and our families complain because we're trying to get it, we're trying to get it done. So short answer, I don't know. I am not, I don't feel like I am. Most days I don't feel like I am balancing. I feel like I'm falling apart a little bit. And I do wish there was more concrete balancing, but there is no such thing. And if you're a teacher, you know that there is no such thing as as having a perfect balance. Some days you're going to succeed. Some days you're not going to succeed. Some days work is going to take over. Some days you're going to say, no, my family needs to take over. It all depends. But you keep trying. You keep trying to find that balance. Another question someone asked me, and it's a question that I've been asking myself, is what's going to happen next year? We do not know. We don't know what's going to happen next year. I've been asking this for a few weeks now since the vaccinating started. I've been asking my admin. I've been asking people in general. I've been looking at the Internet. Nobody seems to know. Are we going to come hybrid? Who knows? Are we going to continue remote? Who knows? Are we going to go full in? Everybody's back. Nobody knows. And I don't know when we'll know, which brings just another layer 
of stress, right? Not knowing what next year is going to look like is very, very stressful. And, you know, my adamant is like, well, you know, it's going to be different. It might be hybrid. It might not be. It's like, okay, but I need concrete answers. Like this is your whole job. Right. And so this is super frustrating. I'm going to go on a tangent here because this has been something that I've been really obsessed with and mad about from last spring, right, throughout the summer. Like this is your entire job. Your entire job is to run logistics for these departments. You have gone up in your career. You have you know, spend very little time teaching by and large in order to advance in this career. You're supposed to have all the answers. You're supposed to know the logistics. You're supposed to be the most qualified, right? You have that great balance of business and education that we need to run our system efficiently. We're in the classroom. We're in the front lines. We're facing the parents. We're, we're facing the kids. We're trying to make it work. Your entire job is to figure this shit out. Figure out, are we going to be open? Are we not going to be open? And listen, it's not lack of empathy because I know that this, this is hard and we haven't done this before, but that is your job. Your job is to do hard things. Your job is to do hard things. So I'm going to need all these great minds that get paid all this money and have all this respect to figure out what is going to happen next year, because I think the not knowing, it's really getting to teachers. We cannot plan. We are teachers. Most of our job is planning, and we cannot plan if there is no plan. So figure it out. Figure something out. Make a skeleton plan. I don't know. Give me an outline. I don't care what it is, but give me some ideas. Tell me you have some freaking idea of what's going to happen next year. Because despite it being a crazy year, it's actually gone by fairly quickly. I can't believe we're already in March, right? This is about the time where... Yes, things are peaking because of the state tests um, in, in any normal year. But then you also realize, okay, after the state test, things kind of normalize. And we get to do a lot of great content. And we sort of start to wind down. If you're in a grade that has a graduation or a commencement or a dance, you start preparing for those senior activities. The weather gets nicer. So all of those cues are coming in, except that we have no freaking idea what's happening next. So get it together, figure it out, Department of Education, figure it out, State of New York, figure it out, DOE, because this is not sustainable for us to not know anymore. Now we don't even have a chancellor here yet. I mean, I don't know when he officially steps down when we have the new person. I don't know. I have to research on that. But we're in a transition period. So that's awesome, right? So it's like we're changing leadership right in the middle of a pivotal time. So that is my rant. I know that's a little bit different than how we've done things before. And I don't want you to think that it's all been crazy anxiety and 
body falling apart for two weeks. Of course, as you can imagine, the kids came to the rescue and I had this really fantastic day where I was floating on cloud nine and it just hit me just straight in the face that the kids are the joy. And that is what we have to hold on to. It was on a Thursday, on Wednesdays, we have asynchronous learning where we spend all day in meetings with adults and it's usually mayhem and it usually makes absolutely no sense and we're going around in circles. And I came back last Thursday and my kids were doing such a fantastic job with the book we were reading and it just elevated my mood like no drug could ever, could ever do. And I realized, you know, it's been a really hard couple of weeks. And I didn't fully realize how hard it was until I just talked to you guys about it. But that day, that day I realized that the kids are the joy. Just hold on to the children. Hold on to their ideas. Hold on to their perspectives. Hold on to them because they are the joy. The students are the joy. Everything else is just noise. So yeah, the more I talk to you guys about it, the more I don't think I have some kind of terminal illness. I think I'm just tired. I think we're all tired. And hopefully we can all get back to something that looks more like normal soon. Let's stay strong. Let's stay safe. Let's keep supporting one another. You know, we're all about feedback. I hope I didn't assault you with all of my feelings. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I appreciate being able to be vulnerable with y'all out here in the airways. Know that as a fellow teacher, school staff, and parent, I am here in your corner. And we can do this together. Reach out if there's any way I can support you in the ways that you are supporting me. You are appreciated. You are seen and you are loved. Please help us get the word out about these issues by subscribing, sharing the pod, and rating us. Also, make sure to follow us on social media. Leave a comment, email us, tweet at us, do all the things. We're teachers, so we're all about the feedback. I can't wait to meet you all again on the airways for the next one. Look out for episodes on Sundays to help you ease that Sunday night teacher anxiety. Stay safe, everyone.